Hello, and welcome to episode 42 of Design Curious Podcast. I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. Today on the podcast, we have Leah Connolly of Studio Connolly Interior Design. And I know that you're going to love this interview. She used to be my employee and worked for me for five years before going out on her own, which is just really special. And she has expressed that how much she appreciated how prepared she felt when she started her business. So we'll get into that a little more in the interview. But before that, just a quick reminder, we have those downloads for you in the show notes to get started in your career in interior design. And don't forget, in the month of June, we have that special offer with interior design brand strategist, Erica Sorit, who you may remember from episode 38 on how storytelling and brand marketing will level up your interior design career. Erica has launched a new course called the Brand Storytelling Masterclass on Teachable for my audience. You and she has made a great offer. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already and leave a review for me on Apple Podcast or Podchaser platform and then take a screenshot of that and email it to me, podcast at rwarddesign, or you can tag me on Instagram so we make sure that you can get your coupon code for her masterclass to take it for free, which is a great opportunity for you. The course is designed to be short and easy to complete. You'll learn how to write compelling stories for your brand in an easy to implement step-by-step masterclass format designed to get you crafting unforgettable brand narratives in just a few short hours. By the end of this course, you'll have created your own taglines, brand scripts, and content matrix allowing you to easily generate 20 plus unique content topics to use them for social media, blog posts, email campaigns, and more. She's super excited about it and is offering it for a very limited time. And we're just doing this promotion for the month of June. So if you're interested, follow the course link in the show notes to learn more. And if you'd like to take it for free in exchange for a review of our episode, please do and let me know when you've posted it. So cool. All right, so you're going to want to take advantage of that. And now let me tell you a little bit more about Leah. A true extrovert, Leah loves getting to know her clients and connecting with them on a deeper level, taking time to figure out what they value most in life and in their homes. After earning a bachelor's degree in interior design at UC Davis, she jumped straight into a world of interiors, working for several prominent Sacramento interior designers, including yours truly. However, as the climate continues to change, she's taken a long, hard look at the design industry and the waste and harmful chemicals it generates. Leah founded Studio Connolly in 2020 in an effort to minimize the environmental impacts she had been witnessing firsthand. She makes it her priority to partner with sustainably focused brands, reducing waste and toxic materials within the home, and recycling as many products as possible. She also knows that lighting, layouts, and colors within the home greatly impact your well-being both mentally and physically. Her own home is full of house plants to improve air quality and bring nature indoors, and she loves incorporating plenty of plants into her projects too. Leah is an award-winning interior designer and a certified interior designer in the state of California and a lead green associate. And it's true about the plants, and she's my go-to expert on house plants during the pandemic, I think like a lot of us, I definitely increased my collection of houseplants. So whenever one was being finicky or I wasn't sure how to care for it, I'd go to Leah and ask her. And uh, she has some great tutorials actually over on her Instagram for how to care for the plants as well as some other great design advice. So definitely go check that out. Okay, so now without much further ado, let's get to our conversation with Leah. 
You're now listening to Design Curious, a place where you, creative one, are here to learn about what it really is like to be an interior designer. And I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. If you're worried about how to succeed in a creative career, if you're ready to learn your next steps to become an interior designer, and if you want the satisfaction of doing something you love every day, you are in the right place. Grab a coffee, a notebook, and let's dig into today's episode. Hi, Leah. Welcome to Design Curious Podcast. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so fun, especially because we kind of have a history. <laughs> we go back um, a long ways. I think we first met, I was pregnant with my son, and I was interviewing you yeah. to work for me part-time. <laughs> But let's go back before that and kind of tell everybody what your path to interior design was like. Did it start young? All the details. Yeah, it started pretty young. In high school, I was an art kid. So I did a lot of art classes and I always kind of knew I wanted to do something creative. I think for a while I thought I was going to be a fashion designer, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but I learned a little bit more about that world and it was pretty cutthroat. And so I think watching HGTV shows, I got inspired by that side of things. Mm -hmm. And I decided to major in interior design when I went to college. I went to UC Davis for design. And it's a cool program because you kind of get to pick and choose, take some classes from different types of design. So I got to do interiors courses, but I also dabbled in graphics and color theory, things like that. So it was Mm -hmm. pretty cool. And then After graduating, I started by emailing a bunch of designers in Sacramento just to see if anyone needed help, which (laughs) I do actually recommend that because it worked. I got a couple of people to reply and yeah, Yeah. a couple of people said like, oh yeah, I could use some part-time help. So that's kind of how I like forced my way into the industry, I guess, was just by emailing. I would agree. It doesn't hurt to just blast out an email because you never know, like someone might've just said, I, gosh, I need some help in my business. And like, you get the email from the person you're like, yes, you're answering that call. I need you right now. <laughs> like let's set up an interview. Yeah. So, yeah. doesn't hurt. And well, and I think too, because you know, the recession obviously kind of freaked people out. And I think a lot of people didn't want to hire full time, mm-hmm. but it, it was 2015 was when I started, you know, asking about freelance positions. And I think people were finally starting to be like, oh yeah, maybe I could use a little bit of help now because right. it was like just far enough past the recession that they were like ready to think about that. Yeah. Um, so I think I was sort of the catalyst for a couple of people to say, oh yeah, I could use a few hours of help here and there. Yeah, definitely for me. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I started out just like part-time with a couple different people and obviously you were one of those people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really helpful because yeah. before I had you, I had interns, you know, that come in I had one other part-time person, but I really need someone who could just be a little more available. And then you were able to answer that need for me. Yeah. I think I met with you about six months into the freelance side of things. Okay, so yeah. I had already kind of worked a little bit with a couple other people and then started with you. And a year later, you asked me to join full-time. So yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask, when you were freelancing, working for other designers, Were you also looking to take projects for yourself at that time or just to help out other designers? You know, I think I wanted to just help other people out at the Mm -hmm. time because I didn't, even with schooling and everything, I still didn't quite know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of like, I wanted the hands-on experience to learn about vendors and 
construction and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. Cause in, in school, it's all more conceptual for the most part. So, yes. yeah. All right. So then, then what happened after you had some part-time positions for a while? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I think you know, you can tell a story. <laughs> You know, like a year, year and a half into freelancing, then you kind of approached me with the idea of bringing me on full-time. And so I kind of tied up all the loose ends with the freelance positions with the other designers and then joined you in, was it 2016? That sounds right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I worked for you for, I think it was like five and a half years. It was quite a yeah, while. It was. Yeah. We had a good yeah. run. Yeah. And, um, that was, you know, a big leap for me on my end to hire someone full time. Mm-hmm. It was slightly easier because my business was already set up as a corporation. So as an employee of myself, so adding another person onto that team wasn't as big of a deal as if I had to do that whole transition at the same time, but still it's just yeah. you're like, now I am fully responsible for this person's income. Mm-hmm. And do we have enough jobs to support it? But quickly found out that actually it is profitable to have an employee because you're billing time. I'm billing time and it's much more than I could do by myself. So mm-hmm. worked out yeah. great. Yeah. And so then you always kind of knew though, that you wanted to probably go on your own for some time in the future. Yeah. I didn't really necessarily have a date on it or anything mm-hmm. when I, you know, first got into the industry, but it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to have my own business someday. I don't think I could have gotten to the point where I was comfortable doing that if I hadn't had those five and a half years of experience with you. Cause I think it's like really important to have that hands-on before you feel like you can manage something on your own. So yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. like practice, <laughs> you're, you're practicing before you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it helped too, that you like trusted me and gave me a lot of responsibility. So I feel like I got a lot more comfortable with the project management side of things too, because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You definitely grew into that senior designer position, taking on a lot mm-hmm. of responsibility, which was really helpful and fun to see you growing in that way. And then you took your NCIDQ and everything. So it was nice to be a part yeah. of that process. So then you are looking at, you know, starting your own business. And I know that like right out of the gate, you kind of chose a niche to promote like in your branding and messaging. So uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I think probably because of the experience of working in the industry, I started to notice how wasteful it can be, especially on the construction side of things. There's a lot that you you just see on demo day. They just kind of chuck it in the dumpster and goes to the landfill. And it's like, well, yeah. I guess that is what it is, you know, and same with furniture. There's a lot of manufacturers who, when something comes damaged, they just send you a replacement and they're like, just get rid of the other one, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think watching that, I was like, there has to be something we can do about this. And so I just started exploring avenues of like repurposing, donating, trying to make sure that we repair things instead of just throwing them away right away. So I decided to focus on sustainability as just kind of an overarching concept in my business. You know, I didn't want to promote it as like, I'm the expert in all things sustainable design, because obviously I'm still learning about it as I go. So I kind Mm -hmm. of went with the term environmentally conscious residential interior design. So it's, I'm just thinking about it in everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So part of that is making sure that my receivers are careful to recycle my packaging or for demo day, 
in like a kitchen, for example, if the cabinetry and the appliances come out in good shape, I have a company I work with that comes to pick those things up and take them to a donation site so that it we kind of avert as much stuff from the landfill as possible. So it's nice. just kind of like thinking about those things as well mm -hmm. as paying attention to non-toxic products, especially like large surfaces like flooring and paint in the home. Mm -hmm. Have you found that clients are aware of that or are they coming to you with this kind of expectation already or is it that you're more educating them about sustainability and consciousness? You know, I think it's now kind of approached the point where it's like 50-50. I think when I first started, I was doing more education about it. And mm -hmm. I think it's becoming more and more a thing that consumers are paying attention to. I kind of believe that it's going to become industry standard probably mm -hmm. within the next five, 10 years. People are kind of showing me that, that sometimes they approach me because I'm focused on sustainability and non-toxic materials. But I think even for the clients who don't already have that in mind, they are interested in learning about it when I bring it up. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you say like, oh, well, did you think about the fact that your vinyl floors are off-gassing toxic chemicals into the air? They're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Thanks mm -hmm. for telling me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think it'd be hard to find someone who'd be like, oh, I don't care. And you know, yeah, like, just give me all the right. toxic, toxic things you get. No. <laughs> yeah. So I think definitely, and especially being in California, a lot of people are just geared that way anyway, to think about the environment and sustainability. Yeah, definitely. I, I think too, like I was afraid that having a niche would like deter people who don't care about it, but that's not been the case at all. I think it mm -hmm. just shows that you're paying attention to something that, you know, whether or not your client cares about it, it's just another aspect of my business to them. So mm -hmm. do you find it difficult to find companies that will partner with you in this endeavor? Like you said, you have someone who can come and take things from demo day and, you know, try to avert from landfill. Is it challenge to find companies that will accommodate that? It was challenging. Yeah. I did a lot of that research upfront before I started the company just because I wanted to kind of have an idea of where to turn when I needed them. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of talking with people up front to find those companies that would work with me. And yeah, it is a challenge sometimes just because there aren't that many companies like that, you know? Right. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there will be more down the yeah. line. Yeah. So what other things like a, a new designer coming out might be interested in this topic in this avenue, but might not be fully aware of all the things that they should be looking for in products or um, on their job site? What are some things that they should start to look for? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is going to be just, especially for people who are coming into a company where this might not be a focus. I think starting with the simple concepts is always best. So starting mm -hmm. with just, are we paying attention to recycling? Are we paying attention to trying to divert things from the landfill? That's going to be probably the easiest way to approach it because I think it's probably the lowest hanging fruit, if you will, I guess. But if they want to get more into the details of it, I mean, there's a couple of certifications that they can pay attention to with different products and things like that. So just I have like a couple of the most well-known ones, I guess, that you could look into. One of them would be, you know, if we're talking about, let's say like hardwood, mm -hmm. you want to look for the FSC label, which is Forest Stewardship Council. So it just means that they're not like clear cutting an entire section of a mm -hmm. forest when they're mm -hmm. cutting down the, the wood. Okay. Um, so that's a big one. One for like non-toxic flooring materials would be green guard. Um, that just tells you, you know, if you're doing like a vinyl flooring, it's mm -hmm. not going to be like 
releasing those toxic chemicals into the air, like we were talking about. Okay. And then one for fabrics. I don't actually know how to pronounce it. I think it's Ocotex or Ecotex. I'm not really sure. It's O E K O Tex. Oh, yeah. That's a fabric that's been tested for harmful substances, too. So I feel like, you know, finding a list of certifications that you can pay attention to is a good way to get started because, in my experience, it's it can be hard to find products that fit the bill of being sustainable. So if you know what little labels to look for on things, mm-hmm. it like helps narrow it down a lot. It mm. makes it less overwhelming. Yeah. Great. Although that's a good start to, to look for those things. Now you're lead certified, right? So th- does that come into play at all with residential design or is really that more for commercial projects or can you explain a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So I'm a lead green associate, which means I took the first level test. So I'm not a lead accredited professional, which is what you would need if you were doing, you know, like a lead certified building. Mm. Typically the people I work with for residential, it's not super common to be working on like a lead project. It just means that I have studied a lot of the aspects of sustainable design. And so I'm paired with the, the knowledge of like, oh, we need to look for a faucet that has this number of, you know, gallons per minute and like the flush on the toilet and the, um, looking for LED fixtures, all those types of things. It just means I spent time studying it, but Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that I'll use it to help get a building certified. If that makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. So would you recommend if a designer is interested in sustainable design path with you recommend them getting a lead certification? I mean, I think it definitely can add to your resume. And I know that as a student, you get a discounted rate to take the lead Mm. green associate exam. So like if you're still in school, it's like kind of a good idea to just go ahead and do it, um, get it out of the way, especially because you're, you know, you're already a student. So you're already used to studying for exams. So you can just (laughs) kind of knock it out. (laughs) In the zone already. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's useful. You know, if you're going to stick in residential your whole life, it's you might not necessarily put it to use other than the knowledge base. But mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. What other recommendations do you have for any designers starting out? Because you kind of recently have traveled this path going mm-hmm. from school to working for someone else to your own business. Do you have any like mindset adjustments that you had to be aware of or any challenges that maybe you just weren't expecting that kind of came up? I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned both working for you and also on my own is to get really comfortable with asking questions. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes early on, it's you kind of want to pretend that you know a lot. So people are impressed. But I think <laughs> if you don't know the answer, someone does. And you can find that person if you just say, hey, I don't know the answer to that. Let me find out for you. And then you approach someone who's an expert in that area. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that goes a long way and that kind of can help you build confidence in a weird way. It sounds kind of counterintuitive to be like saying, I don't know, helps you become more confident, (laughs) but I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know who to ask at least. (laughs) So that's valuable. Yeah. I think making connections is another one too, Mm -hmm. that kind of goes hand in hand with that. So meeting sales reps that are an expert with their products and Mm -hmm. meeting other designers who are experts in other areas of design and just making strong connections with those people so that when you don't know the answer, you can approach them and they'll help you out. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the number one thing. And number two thing would be, I mean, if you're like brand new, 
work for someone, the hundred percent. If I can give any piece of advice to anyone, work for someone first, because I mean, I have a couple of friends who just off the bat started their business without working for someone. And they say the one thing they wish they had done was have a couple of years of experience with another mm-hmm. designer first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's certain things you need to learn anyway. And so doing it while you're able to watch someone else go through it is probably a lot easier and less expensive, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for, yeah. for you to learn that way, as opposed to just trying to make your own path. Yeah. So it seems like your business is going really well. I see, you know, you're, you're busy all the time. And what, what are some key things that have really helped you grow your business since you started out? Well, this is going to sound kind of annoying maybe, but I think part of it was just the way that I started it during the pandemic when everyone was at home. I think Mm -hmm. I, I only had a couple of months of like quiet time. And then all of a sudden it was just, I hit the ground running because everybody needed help. I don't know if I have like the perfect answer for how to get your (laughs) business to be like super busy, but I think part of it might be that I spend a lot of time building my Instagram presence Mm. kind of. You know, I have like a monthly series where I share design tips and tricks and things like that. And I think that kind of builds trust. So I guess, you know, coupled with the accidental, oh my gosh, I'm so busy of the pandemic. It was also that I was building those relationships with people online and kind Mm -hmm. of making myself relatable. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, anything else you want to share with our audience about sustainability or business or design? Yeah. I mean, I guess sustainability I would say like I feel like when you start looking into it with all of the the details of everything it can be a little overwhelming so I think I just want to encourage people to start with one thing like pick one thing that you care about with whether that's diverting things from the landfill or non-toxic materials things like that just pick one thing and focus on that for a little bit Mm. and eventually you'll get comfortable with that and then you can move on I think it's better to do a little bit of one thing rather than try to like feel like you have to cover all the ground at once because then you kind of burn out on it. Yeah. Yeah. That could be overwhelming for sure. Oh, this is kind of a random piece of advice that it's very specific to like, let's say someone has been a sole proprietor for like half a year and they're like, maybe I should be an LLC. There's like a whole huge switch that comes with that. Mm. I feel like I wasn't warned about that when I first started my CPA was like, oh yeah, you can start as a sole proprietor and it's easy to make the switch. It's easy on the tax side to make the switch, <laughs> but like I had to get a whole new QuickBooks account to oh, like yeah. completely change my business over because I was going to be filing as an S corporation. So it was like, yeah. that's it- like a very niche specific thing, but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like you can just switch in a day and be like, okay, now I'm no, a no. corporation. And yeah. Do you have a bookkeeper that you are working with? Or are you doing it yourself? I do have a bookkeeper. I do a lot of it myself because, you know, month to month kind of stuff. I can manage a lot of the transaction side of things, but I do meet with her like at least every other month to make sure things are looking good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I don't even bother with taxes. I just have my CPA do them all because I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) That's good. Did you have a CPA before you started? a business or did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) You don't really need one before usually, but yeah. So there's a lot of things that kind of come along with deciding to incorporate and have a business, but it's worth it. I think (laughs) it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, once I saw the like savings that come with switching to being taxed as an S corporation, I was like, okay, it was worth it. But the pain of having to transfer over to a new QuickBooks account was like, ugh. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of growing pains there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. Like a PSA for our listeners. If you're yeah. Thinking, Random just, fact. <laughs> just be prepared to kind of have some transition time there. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Leah's fun talking with you again and hearing your story and you had so much great advice. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. It's fun catching up too. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime. I'm sure I'll see you around town. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. So a great informational conversation about environmental impacts of design on the industry. I really admire her stance on taking a niche in sustainability and admitting that you don't have to know it all to really niche down in that area you're interested in. So I feel like that has even rubbed off on me in a way as I'm looking for more sustainably sourced items. And as you know, things that can be recycled or used after they've been completed in the house and recently even looked into a product from Porcelanosa called Creon that is definitely a recyclable countertop. Um, So I'm doing some more research in that area and um, I encourage you to go on that journey too so that we can make sure that we're creating environments that are non-toxic and also good for the environment and not adding to the landfills if we don't need to. So if you'd like to reach out to Leah and get some more information about sustainable design or just go see her great portfolio, we have her contact information in the show notes. And don't forget to leave me that review for your chance to get free access to that masterclass by Erica Sorit. So you're going to want to do that. You can take a screenshot of your review and email it to me or tag me on Instagram so we know that you have done it and that you can get your code for getting that masterclass for free. So stay tuned for another great interview next week. Like I said, we're in our summer series. So we have another interview next week instead of just a solo episode for me. So it's actually going to be quite interesting. I think you're going to like it. So stay tuned for that. And until next week, stay creative. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and a review. This helps me reach other curious creatives like you. If you have a topic request or would like to contact me, simply head over to my website, rwarddesign.com or email me at podcast at rwarddesign.com.